today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. How we are as earthly parents, I always like to, in just my way of thinking as an earthly fallen father, and how much I love my children, and I love my children, and I love my wife, and I think as an earthly fallen father, as an earthly fallen husband, imperfect in all of my ways, <laughs> how much do I love them? How much more does my heavenly Father love me? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Timothy. As much as you love the people around you, God loves you so much more. Today, Pastor J.D. will teach on the love of God and how he provides for your every need. There will be people in your life that will come and go, but God never leaves and never forsakes. He loves you deeper than you could ever begin to imagine. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 17. We left off in verse 16 last week. And uh, we're just going to get to verse 19. We're not going to quite finish the chapter and with it the book today. I think you'll see why here in a moment. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor, Timothy, and he says, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them, verse 18, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, verse 19, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now that's living. Now we have a problem, and the problem is that the unintended consequences of just seeing this as cliche and dismissing this as such. Oh, trust in the Lord. Okay, next. The problem is, is that seeing it that way can have profound implications on our Christian lives. And it's for this reason that I want to talk with you about how we can actually put our trust in the Lord, and not anything else, and certainly not anyone else. This is really one of those how-to teachings. That's another (laughs) uh, almost cliche title and way to say it, but this is the how of God's Word by way of the Holy Spirit. As one said, it's the how 
of the Holy Spirit to do the what of the Holy Word. I hope you caught that, and we're going to talk about that more here in a moment. Now, last week, and I need to kind of talk about this again to set the stage, because we're dealing with commands. And at first glance, when you say something is a command, right out of the chute, you're kind of, oh, well, a command? Yeah. Another commandment? Yeah, well, that's what it is. It's a command. Well, that's not good. No, it is good. Why is it good? Because the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. See, when you understand what a command is, you then understand that God gives you, really packages with the command, the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do that which God is commanding you to do. That's why it's a good thing. I think we're too quick, sadly, to, when we hear the word command, immediately the walls go up. This is a command. <laughs> I'm not under the law. Oh, not so fast. That's not the point here. This is a command, and it's actually the second and third of three commands that Paul writes to Timothy. And the first command was in the previous verses, verses 12 through 14, which was that of, and this is a command, fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold on eternal life. He mentions laying hold on eternal life, which is truly life, here again in the text that's before us today. The second and third commands are in verses 17 and 18, and they're both concerning those who are rich, would be considered wealthy with the things of this world. And apparently in that church there in Ephesus, which Timothy was the pastor of, there were some wealthy people. And Paul is instructing Timothy to command them concerning their riches. It seems from the text that they were conceited because of it, arrogant as a result of it. And so Paul writes to Timothy by the Holy Spirit and says, you need to command them not to be arrogant. And so these are the two commands. You'll forgive me for couching it in these terms, but in verse 17, it's basically like this. Paul is saying, thou shalt not put your hope in wealth. Now, the reason I wanted to stress why it's important to understand the command is because command should never be seen as God saying, Thou shalt not, because I am God, and I told you so. No. I like how one said it. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's the tender commandments from a loving, tender, heavenly Father, who says, don't do that, because I love you so much, and I want to spare you from what happens, the consequences of doing that. Example, let's just take one of the Ten Commandments. Let's talk about envying, coveting what your neighbor has. Thou shalt not covet. Why? Because I'm God and I said so, that's why. No. Here's why. Because if you are given over to covetousness, 
and envy and jealousy, it will eat your lunch. It will eat you up from the inside out and it will destroy you. And I love you so much. And I don't want to see that happen to you. The writer of Hebrews says, don't let that take root. Because it will eventually germinate and sprout. And God loves us so much, He does not want us to suffer needlessly, unnecessarily, the consequences that come when we disobey His loving, tender commands. So let's take that and superimpose that on the text that's before us today. The Apostle Paul loves Timothy. The Apostle Paul loves this church there in Ephesus so much that he wants to warn them and caution them concerning their riches and what comes packaged with their wealth, uh, chief of which is the arrogance and the pride. It'll eat your lunch. Command them not to do that, and this is why. He says, command those who are rich in this life, not to be arrogant or hope in their wealth. In other words, isn't it true when you have it, you tend to trust in it because you have it to trust in in the first place? So command them not to put their hope in it. Why? Because it's so uncertain. Here today, gone tomorrow. And He says, the one who puts their hope in God will always be richly provided for with everything they need. In other words, by putting your hope in the Lord, you'll never be let down. You'll never be disappointed. Whereas with riches, you always will. Nothing is certain. You know, it's interesting with this COVID-19 crisis. (laughs) It has virtually, single-handedly demolished everything that man puts their trust in. And even, I'll take it a step further and say, worships. Let's talk about sports. Some of you are saying, let's not. No, we're going to talk about sports just real quick. Isn't it interesting? I mean, sports, it's like a god, and that's been taken away. Well, it's certainly not the same anymore. How about that wealth, that those resources, the how about when the stock market went downtown, <laughs> like way down, way down for a while? How scary was that? Well, that's if your investment is there, you're putting your hope in that, you're trusting in that, guaranteed without exception, you will be let down. Don't put your hope in it. One of my favorite Proverbs, and I really all the Proverbs are my favorite Proverbs, but 23 verse 5, listen to this picturesque description of one who puts their hope in their wealth. says, cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Bye-bye. Don't put your trust in it. Don't even cast but a glance on it. And here's why. Because 
It happens every month. This is what happens with your paycheck. Where did it go? Well, it grew wings. (laughs) Bye-bye. See ya. That's what happens with wealth. One more thing, and we'll move on to this uh, second one, but I want you to think this through with me. So the first five commandments, really dealing with loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. The first two commandments, uh, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make for yourself images and bow down and worship them, these false gods. Again, it's not because God is saying, I'm God. And I told you so, don't do that. No. What he's saying is this, those gods are no gods at all. They don't love you. They didn't die for you. I did. They will not be there for you. I will. I think about the Old Testament, replete throughout the Old Testament, you continually hear (laughs) the Lord say, hear, O Israel, I am the Lord your God. I think about when Moses finally comes down from Mount Sinai. And here are the Israelites, they're putting all this pressure on Moses' older brother Aaron. They're like, Aaron, your brother's not coming back. He's been gone so long, and he's not coming back, and we need a God. So they pressured him and really basically forced him to make for them a God. So what kind of a God is he going to make? Oh, one of the many Egyptian gods, the golden calf. You have to understand, in Egypt they worshiped over 3,000 gods. And so they took the gold that they got out of Egypt, and here Aaron makes this golden calf. And they're all, it's really quite graphic, I won't get into the details of it, but they're all worshiping and dancing and praising. And, and then Aaron has the audacity to stand before the Israelites and declare, Behold, this is the God that led you out of Egypt. Oh no, <laughs> Aaron, no. Here comes Brother Mo, <laughs> and he comes down, right? I know, I'm sorry. It's a. He comes down from the mountain, and he's got the tablets, and to his horror, he breaks the tablets because they had broken the commandments, just starting with the first one. Wait, that's number one. You did it. You made for yourself this graven image, and you're worshiping it as God, and you're having another God before me? And the narrative is quite interesting, because Moses has this dialogue with his brother, like, what were you thinking? We didn't know you were going to come back. We thought you were gone forever. There's no way. And the people were like, hey, we need a God, because... Well, we're in the market for a God because we don't have one anymore. And, and so they really kind of pressured me and even threatened me. And so I acquiesced and I caved in and I took this gold. And it's really quite interesting. I encourage you to read the account. He basically says this, and this is a loose paraphrase. He said, you know, 
I just put the gold in the fire and then poof, out comes this golden calf. Wow. Nice try, Aaron. I've heard it said like this. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. Thou shalt not. I forbid you. That's not why it's bad. No. Sin is forbidden because it's bad for you. Let me say that again. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. How we are as earthly parents, I always like to, in just my way of thinking as an earthly fallen father, and how much I love my children, and I love my children, and I love my wife, and I think as an earthly fallen father, as an earthly fallen husband, imperfect in all of my ways, (laughs) how much do I love them? How much more does my heavenly Father love me? I think about the prodigal son, the wayward daughter, and just the heartbreak that that prodigal son or wayward daughter will never know. Here's this mother, this father, just devastated, because they love them so much. But here's the thing, your loving Heavenly Father loves them more than you ever could. Think about that. It's too high for my understanding. Never let the enemy twist, pervert, for lack of a better word, the commands of God, as if they're burdensome. Jesus said, my my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God will never command us to do anything without also enabling us to do that which He's commanded us to do. And why? Because He loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much. And now He'll never force Himself on us. He'll never force His will on us. He's given us free will to choose. And I just imagine my loving Heavenly Father that just wants to spare me from needless pain, sorrow, grief, suffering, from the consequences that always ensue. Let's talk about these people there in Ephesus that apparently, uh, they were loaded, man. I mean, he's not saying, you know, tell them to command them to not be arrogant and command them to do good things. And he's saying that for their sake. Because if they're that proud, you know what comes with pride? The fall. Destruction. Pride always comes before the fall, a haughty spirit before destruction. So here's Paul, by the Holy Spirit, because of a loving Heavenly Father, saying to these rich people there in Ephesus, I want to spare you of the agony that comes, because the fall always comes when we're proud. And here's another thing. This is perhaps more important. We're told that God knows the proud from afar off, but He gives grace to the humble. I want you to picture that with me. This is something the Lord has ministered to me over the years, but God is humble. 
Think about that. We are never more like Christ than when we're humble. And we're never more like Satan than when we're proud. So God says He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In other words, just picture this loving, humble, tender, heavenly Father saying, get away from me. I can't be with you when you're full of pride. You know, one of the things that has always struck me about the Savior in the Gospels is that little children were attracted to Him and gravitated to Him. So much so on that one occasion, all these kids are running towards Jesus, and the disciples are like, hey, what are you guys doing? Go go juggle knives on the freeway. Get out of here. This is the Savior. <laughs> and Jesus rebukes them. He says, don't do that. Don't forbid the children to come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven made up as these. Have you ever asked yourself the question of why it was that the children were so attracted to Jesus? I think it was because He was so approachable. You know why He was so approachable? Because He was so humble. I know that for me, kids don't run to me. They run from me. (laughs) They're scared of me. But there must have been something about Jesus that was so inviting, so non-threatening, that made Him so approachable that kids would flock to Him. I think that's the litmus test. They wanted to be around Him because He was meek. Never make meek synonymous with weak. Meekness is strength under control. This is fully God, fully man in the person of Jesus Christ, God the Son omnipotent, all-powerful, yet meek, humble. In the Proverbs, we, in our study through the Proverbs, replete throughout that study, you had this common theme that with humility comes wisdom. And wisdom is the application of information. See, knowledge is just information. But wisdom is the application of that information. So how do I get that wisdom? Humility. It works both ways. Let's flip it around. If wisdom comes vis-a-vis humility, then wouldn't it stand to reason that pride comes vis-a-vis folly? It works both ways. I should have said the other way around. It's been a long week. Folly comes. Anyway, you get the point. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.